Rewatching Good TV Podcast Network presents The Sorkin Cast. And welcome to the Sorkin Cast, part of the Rewatching Good TV Podcast Network. This is episode six of the podcast, and my name is Matt Murdick, and you can find me at sorkincast.wordpress.com. That's also where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can also find contact links, uh, social media links, that type of thing, and podcatcher links. And if you would leave me a review on iTunes, it would be very much appreciated. That way, this podcast can stay more noticeable among all of the great TV podcasts that are out there. The Sorkin cast, of course, looks at the shows of Aaron Sorkin, and we've been concentrating on the first season of West Wing thus far, and we will continue to do so. In the meantime, if you have any feedback about the first 11 episodes of season one of West Wing, feel free to email sorkincast at gmail.com. Or you can call 314-669-1840 and leave a voicemail. Uh, when you do that, please make sure to note that you're leaving feedback for the Sorkin cast because I use several p- podcasts I use the same line for. And uh, that's pretty much it for the uh, plugging of the podcast. So let's get right into talking about the episode that we're talking about this week in West Wing. That would be Season 1, Episode 6, Mr. Willis of Ohio, and it was written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Christopher Missiano, I guess is how you say that guy's name. I'm terrible. Uh, It's always the directors that get me. Anyway, uh, the episode first aired on November 3rd, 1999, and it was viewed by an estimated 9.2 million viewers. We always go to geos.tv and check out their global episode opinion survey, which ranks this particular episode 42nd out of 156 episodes. And that's kind of your basic information. Here's an episode summary. Toby, Mandy, and Josh negotiate with Congressional Committee swing votes regarding the census. The White House deals with security issues. Leo finally tells Bartlett about his impending divorce. And Zoe, Josh, Sam, Charlie, and CJ find trouble in a Georgetown bar. And with that, we'll go to the walk and talk for the week. Uh, There were several uh, walk and talks actually between Donna and Josh. And I always love the Donna and Josh walk and talks. So since there were a couple, I I just picked the first one uh, where Donna and Josh debate about what to do with the budget surplus. Here it is. Hi. Hi. Can I ask you a question? About what? The budget surplus. Go ahead. There's a $30 billion budget surplus. It'll actually shake out to about $32 billion. Whatever. Well, you know what they say. What do they say? Billion dollars here, billion dollars there. Sooner or later, it starts to add up to real money. That's a nifty saying, Josh. I didn't coin it or anything. We have a $32 billion budget surplus for the first time in three decades. Yes. The Republicans in Congress want to use this money for tax relief, right? Yes. Essentially, what they're saying is they want to give back the money. Yes. Why don't we want to give back the money? Because we're Democrats. But it's not the government's money. Sure it is. It's right there in our bank. That's only because we collected more money than we ended up needing. Isn't it great? I want my money back. Sorry. We're not done with this. I don't think so. There you go. And that debate kind of continues throughout the whole episode. Always kind of quick back and forth between the two of them. And that brings us to our next section, which is the quick jabs, which are either personal or political or professional little humorous quotes. 
and those are from this week's episode. And uh, I had to include Donna getting the final word in on their debate about the budget surplus uh, as part of this. I just want to comment. Well, I'll, I'll leave it for after the clip. Here's the clip. Mr. President. There is one fruit. Oh, please. There is one fruit. Mr. President, check a bet, sir. Those are your choices. There is one fruit. Or you should feel free to give us a quiz on inane trivia. There is one fruit whose <laughs> seeds are on the outside. Name it, please. Is it the kumquat? No. <laughs> oh. Check a bet, sir. It's the strawberry. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I just raised your bed. Yes, you did, Toby. Ooh. Oh. Do you call the raise, sir? There are three words in the English language and three words only that begin with the letters DW. This is a pretty good illustration of why we get nothing done. <laughs> Can anyone name them for me, please? Bonnie, would you get Toby a copy of the Constitution? Is it still in print? Oh, for crying out loud. Try Amazon.com. If they don't have it, then just bust into the glass display case at the National Archives. You shouldn't yell. Is it still in print is what my staff would like to know. Just don't do anything to screw up or in any way embarrass me, okay? Leo, Newt Rockney. Sometimes I get them mixed up. Go. Josh, aren't you a little old to be leering at college co-eds? I'm a Fulbright scholar, Mrs. Lanningham. I don't leer. Also, there'll be plenty of grad students there. Oh, well, good then. Uh, Donna? Yes. How much were the sandwiches? Twelve ninety-five. I gave you twenty. Yes. As it turns out, you actually gave me more money than I needed to buy what you asked for. However, knowing you, as I do, I'm afraid I can't trust you to spend the change wisely. I've decided to invest it for you. That was nice. That was a little parable. I want my money back. So my comment was going to be um, that whole little bit about the three words that start with DW. Um, actually, uh, if you look it up, there's uh, more than three words. There's like actually over 20. Um, I will admit, though, that some of them are just variations or plurals of the three stated. Uh, but technically, um, there are more than three words. And I, I think a couple have been added even since um, Sorkin wrote this episode. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, sort of. But otherwise, oh, come on, you're a writer. What a faux pas. Uh, anyway. Uh, that's enough for the stuff up front. Let's get into the first clip. And we're going to start with the White House being crashed because someone jumps the fence. And CJ asks Sam for help to understand the census. Leo discusses the appropriations bill with the staff and a strategy regarding sampling for the census. And head of Secret Service Ron Butterfield briefs the president that the previous security threat was a woman going after Bartlett's daughter Zoe. Excuse me, Mr. President. I'm sorry. The building's not secure. Would everyone stay in the room, please? This is happening way too often. It's pledge week at the fraternities. The kids hop the fence. Do you mind stepping away from the doors and windows, please? This whole room is doors and windows. Josh. I'm cooperating. I'm cooperating. This will be under control in just a minute, Mr. President. All right. We're clear. Saved by the bell. This is the kind of thing that didn't used to happen at my old job. You don't understand the census. I don't understand certain nuances. Like what? Like the census. CJ, we've been working on this commerce bill for three weeks. I hear you talk about the census all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't understand. How can you? I've been faking it. You've been faking it? I've been playing it fast and loose. There's no doubt about it. But sitting in on some of the meetings we've been having and reading the briefing book last night, I have to say that the census is starting to sound to me like it's, well, important. Okay. 
let's... I'll tell you what, let's forget about the fact you're coming a little late to the party and embrace the idea that you showed up at all. That's what I say. We'll start at lunch. Thank you. You been faking it? Yes. President. I know, I should probably not do that. You think? I'll see you at lunch. These are just some of today's additions to the appropriations bill. And that's just in the area of transportation. Two million dollars for a volcano monitor in Alaska to warn passing airplanes about ash. By the way, the FAA doesn't know what that is. $550,000 for New York State to restore the home of Susan B. Anthony. While we're at it, the tile in my shower could use regrouting. Could somebody please remind me what's in this for us? Power zones, U.S. rail, and federal funding for 100,000 new public school teachers. Thank you. How's this working? We have a meeting with Gladman and Skinner, and they represent two of the three swing votes on the Commerce Committee. Swing votes in terms of the census? Yes, and if they agree to drop the sampling prohibition, the appropriations bill could pass without a problem. Who's the third? The third? You said three swing votes, Gladman, Skinner... Janice Willis's husband. Right. Presumably he's gonna do what he's told. We're fine. What time's the meeting? 11 o'clock. Well, there are alarms in the ground. Here, 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 and here. She tripped it here. She? Yes, sir. It wasn't a fraternity stunt? No, sir. It was a mentally unbalanced woman in her 40s. Well, you know, just trying to kill me isn't necessarily evidence of being mentally unbalanced. Sir, it, it appears from her statement you weren't the target. I wasn't? No, sir. Who was? Your daughter. Zoe? This woman was after Zoe? There were eight security checks between where the woman was and Zoe's bedroom. There's no need for Zoe to know about this, right? No. What do you need? This may be the wrong time, Mr. President, but I wanted to speak to you about... As the game was breaking up last night, you mentioned I should say hello to Jenny. Hang on a second. What do you got, Ron? I'd be happy to know our security system worked exactly the way our security system's supposed to work. Well, I guess that's something. Yes, sir. You'll send the full report? About two hours. You were saying... It can wait. You sure? Yeah. Good seeing you, Ron. Take care. I'll see you in an hour, sir. All right, thanks. I guess we're done, too. I wouldn't lose a lot of sleep over it, sir. No, no. Good seeing you, Mr. President. You too. Ron? Yes, sir. Did you have a gun? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. So most of this first clip and the first part of this whole episode is kind of set up to an in-episode um, punchline. Well, so to speak, not meant as a joke, but just meaning to say that there's not a whole lot to comment about uh, since you have to play the result if you're going to comment about it. Um, I have to say that I did find it kind of surprising on a first watch that Leo hadn't said anything to anyone about Jenny yet. I mean, we knew that he lied to the staff in the last episode uh, about how successful the anniversary was or whenever that episode happened, but... uh, it seemed surprising to me that he hadn't told anyone yet. And the other thing uh, that stuck out to me most uh, was that this threat against Zoe showed a kind of a real vulnerable side to Bartlett as well. And uh, just to talk about playing the result, that's kind of what sets up him blowing up at Leo and Zoe both near the end of the episode very well. Now, and when Leo and the gang were talking, when they said the representative from Ohio would do as he told, I, I didn't know what that meant until the whole thing about the committee chair making a recommendation was brought up later. 
um, I was kind of cloudy about that because I was just thinking, well, why do they need to meet with all three of them? Why not just tell this guy from Ohio to vote their way? But evidently, that's why what they thought. They just thought that there was actually no reaching Mr. Willis as opposed to him being the one guy that might flip. And uh, CJ, let's talk about her for a second. She she doesn't like looking like she doesn't know anything. And I, I have to say that I don't like that much either. I mean, I understand that some of this bit is for humor's sake. But the first season of the show has a tendency to make CJ seem pretty green. And once you take into account the journey of this character over the course of the series, it doesn't seem to me that she would be green. That doesn't seem very characteristic of her. But then again, I'll just say that also I'm, I'm a CJ fan in general. So I guess I just don't like her looking bad. I don't like her being part of the gag and she's part of the gag a lot. Um, and it's not that Alice and Janet can't do the part. Well, it's just that um, I just kind of like the CJ character, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I don't like to see her get hurt uh, or to, to look bad. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you someone else I like, and that is this Ron Butterfield uh, character. And we'll see him from time to time in the series. And uh, he is always great. So I always look forward to any episode that he's in. And that's going to do it for my clip one comments. So let's move on to clip two where Toby, Mandy, and Josh meet with the swing votes. Sam teaches CJ about the census. Mallory visits Leo and talks to him about his wife and her mother. The president asks Josh to take Charlie out to blow off some steam, and Zoe and Mallory invite themselves along with Josh. Mandy, if I'd known you were going to be here, I would have brought my sword and shield. Champagne and flowers would have done the trick. Have you met Joe Willis? No, we haven't. My wife was Janice Willis. I know. She passed away last month, so I've taken over a seat in Congress. Yes, sir, we know. We're so sorry for your loss. The White House sent flowers, and the president wrote a very beautiful note. I wonder if you could pass along my thanks. We sure will, Congressman. Uh, Please, no, I'm not a congressman. I teach eighth grade social studies, and this is only temporary. Morning. Everyone got fruit, everyone got bagels. Good, good. Christopher, Anthony. Would you mind putting my copy of the appropriations bill on the table, please? I thought we were here to talk about census. We are. The White House just wanted to take this opportunity to point out that you are criminals and despots. Thank you. No problem. But that's not going to stop the president from signing the bill into law. No, sadly, it won't. What will stop the president from signing the bill is the amendment your committee is offering on the census. The three of you represent the swing vote on the Commerce Committee. You drop the census amendment, and the appropriations bill goes through without a hitch. Insist on the law prohibiting sampling, and you can count on a long floor fight, followed by an almost certain veto. The Constitution mandates that every 10 years we count everybody. Why? Because representation at the various levels of the government, federal, state, and municipal, is based on population. The only way to find out how many congressmen California gets is to count the people in California. Got it? Can I just say that if the briefing book had been written that clearly, I would have easily understood? We're not through yet. Okay. The decennial census has always been done by a door-to-door headcount. Some 950,000 professionals are hired. The process costs approximately $6.9 billion. The process is also very inaccurate. It tends to be significantly disadvantageous to inner-city populations, recent immigrant populations, and, of course, the homeless. Can you stay along? No, I just wanted to bring you some stuff from home. Oh, you didn't have to do that. Well, I wanted you to have some stuff that you like. I'm really fine now. You're okay at the hotel? 
I wanted Mantha at the house. But you're gonna look for a place, right? I can help you out on the weekends. Mallory, this thing with your mother and me, it'll blow over. No, it won't, Dad. You understand that, right? Charlie? What's up, Josh? Mrs. Lanningham, I got a message you needed to see me. Yeah, go on in. Look, I want you to do me a favor. Of course. Take Charlie out for a beer tonight. Take him out for a beer? Yeah, the kid has no life. You're the only guy around there. He knows it all. Take him out for a couple of beers. You guys come back. We'll all watch the vote in Leo's office. Sure. Good, thanks. Let me give you some cash. No, sir, I, I don't need Don't money. be silly. I have money, Mr. President. I'm Are you fine. sure? Yes, sir. How's it going in there? We'll see. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Josh. Hey. Hey. Take us with you. Where? Out tonight. Your plans with Charlie. How do you know I'm going out with Charlie? My dad just told us. He said you should take us with you. The man is like a camp counselor. Sounded uh, kind of like an order, Josh. Fine. Bring Sam Seaborn. Sam's got enough going on in his life right now without you making a booty call. I am not making a booty call. We had an interesting conversation that got interrupted, and I'd like to finish it with him. Whatever. This is going to be fun. President's daughter, the chief of staff's daughter, Georgetown Bar, and Sam. What could possibly go wrong? So here's where I got the gist on Leo. And that is that he is basically in denial about Ginny. Which I guess, I mean, I can't speak from personal experience. I've never been married. I don't have any kids. But I guess after years of marriage, you probably would be in a little bit of denial about it. Because it's just something that you've come to just be part of your life. Uh, but again, I'm certainly no expert. I, I would think that having your daughter having to set it straight for you, uh, that would be tough also. But there is one thing that's nice, and that is that Mallory doesn't seem to be really assigning blame here. Um, she may not, may or may not be happy about this, but she's not really assigning blame. She just, she seems like she just loves both of her parents very much, and she wants the thing to be resolved as quickly as possible, which is amicable. Don't you just hate the way nobody in the room seems to take Mr. Willis seriously at the beginning? I mean, I adore this guy because of his lack of arrogance that everyone, and I'm, I mean everyone, even Josh and Toby and, and Mandy seem to have. Everybody in this room seems arrogant except him. Although I do like the fact that Mandy is very cordial to him. Uh, and and seemingly very uh, genuine in her uh, sympathy. Um, that's a side of Mandy that that we've really not seen hardly at all in this series. So it's nice to see that there is some things to like about Mandy there. You know, I've been hating on Mandy ever since we started this podcast. Um, now, I, I won't go so far as to say as maybe her motivations were to try and to possibly woo his vote. But uh, her condolences are nice, so I'll give her a break. Um, something I've yet to figure out in this episode is whether Zoe is lying to Josh when she says that uh, her dad said to bring them along. Um, later, Bartlett says that he was told by Zoe that she was going along. And I, I well, maybe that does answer my question. Zoe was lying, little liar. Oh, just trying to get in there, trying to just be part of the gang. Bad Zoe. Manipulate Josh and Dad. On, manipulating on two fronts. She should play Game of Thrones. Anyway, uh, Mallory wanting to go along and asking for Sam to come along. That was 
kind of randy, wasn't it? I mean, I think Josh had the right of it in terms of uh, calling it what it was, a booty call, more or less. But uh, I adore Allison Smith, that actress. She is just so good uh, in terms of uh, just being that presence of Mallory. So uh, it's, I don't know what other role she's really done. That's the only, this is the only thing I've ever really seen her in, but I really enjoyed her in this role. And anytime Mallory is in an episode, I kind of take extra notice. Plus I kind of have a crush on Allison Smith. Just hold, I'll, I'll admit that right here. Anyway, let's move on to clip three where Sam tells CJ about sampling for the census and Josh invites both of them to go out with him and Charlie. In the meeting with the swing votes, Toby makes his case, and Mr. Willis changes his mind to Toby's side. How are you going to count the homeless? There's a large and growing population of people who don't speak English, and there are plenty of people, particularly in the inner city, who don't want to answer questions when you knock on their door. Plus, it's always been hard. Sampling, statisticians have told us, is a much more effective way of getting a good census. And what's the legal argument? The legal argument is it's unconstitutional. Legal argument is it's against law. But if sampling's really against the law, why would Congress be trying to pass legislation saying sampling's against the law? <laughs> you see how good it feels to understand what you're talking about? And you see how I'm able to do it without being patronizing? What happened to you look good today? I got over it. Sam. Yeah. Taking Charlie for a beer tonight before the vote. Zoe and Mallory are coming. Sounds good. I like beer. Uh, if you want to come, I guess that'd be okay. Why, Josh, you've, you've swept me off my feet. Whatever, I'll, I'll see you later. Every single expert, including the Census Bureau itself, which is a bipartisan commission, has said sampling is better. We've heard these arguments many times, but in this country, we have a constitution. We are aware of that. The constitution's very clear on this. I don't think it is. Until the court rules that sampling is constitutional. The article is arcane. Oh, God, Toby, the article is not arcane. Let's take a look at it. No, no, we, we don't have time Let's to take, take a look at it. This is silly. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding the whole number of persons, including those bound to service for a term of years. Well, you said it right there. It says which shall be determined by the whole number of persons. The whole number of persons. Not, not, not the end of an equation that some statistician got off of a computer. It says so right there. Actually, that's not what it says. What do you mean? Mandy left out a few words, didn't she, Mr. Willis? Yes. Mr. Willis teaches eighth grade social studies, and Mr. Willis knows very well what the article says. It says which shall be determined by adding the whole number of free persons and three-fifths of all other persons. Congressman, you are talking about tying up an appropriations bill. To... Tell us what we're talking about, Toby. And waiting till the 11th hour to call what, what is this, the fourth time that we've arranged this meeting? And by the way, it's I not... I will. What, sir? I think we should drop it. Joe. That's my choice, right? Joe, Joe, the chairman of our committee recommends that we... No, I it. saw what he recommended, and I appreciate his help. But it's still my choice, right? Absolutely, sir. It is your choice. Well, then I changed my mind. I think we should drop the census amendment and let the appropriation bill go through as is. Joe. Until the court rules on whether sampling is constitutional. Mr. Willis, if you don't mind me asking, sir, what changed your mind? What do you mean? Well, I know it was an expediency, sir. I was wondering what changed your mind. You did. <laughs> I'm smiling because, while around here, the merits of a particular argument generally take a back seat to political tactics. I would imagine. Yeah. It worked on me. 
I was taking advantage of you, sir. I know. There's some things I did not mention. First of all, it is partisan. Second of all, I'm not wild about the precedent. You mean... What's to stop us from saying we don't need elections? We'll just use polling data. 1,150 people with a sampling error of plus or minus three will decide who runs the country. I thought about that. And? I think the problems that we're going to face in the new century are far beyond the wisdom of Solomon, let alone me. But I think the right place to start is to say, fair is fair. This is who we are. These are our numbers. I'm sorry I never got to know your wife, sir. She would have liked you. So this whole section of the show is the Sorkin pontification part. Uh, and here he's pontificating about the, the sampling versus headcount of the United States census. And I, I still don't know if I really have a, a, a personal opinion on the issue itself, uh, being the, you know, the, the deep thinker that I am, uh, I guess I probably ought to thank Sorkin for even bringing, a, a, an issue like this to the attention of 9 million American viewers who, uh, I don't know, may not have known any more about it than I do. Not to belittle anybody who was watching the episode then or now. Um, but uh, I don't know. Do you really care about the census, about how it's counted? Uh, I, evidently, we should. That That's what's fun about this, is that uh, you can't come on the other side of this episode without thinking that you should at least care about it, no matter what your opinion is, right? And you really have to like Mr. Willis by now. I mean, don't you? Is there anybody in this room that doesn't like Mr. Willis? And it's not because he goes over to Toby's side, but it's because you would hope that any representative that we elect to Congress or uh, to any office uh, could weigh the merits of each issue independently from a politics or a political agenda or even a tradition, you know, like, well, the committee chair recommends this. Um, and here, here is the answer that I think you kind of get that, that Willis was expected to take the recommendation of the chairman. So, uh, that may have been why everybody was blowing him off at the beginning. Um, so I think that that probably clarifies it. I guess this also kind of clarifies that they only needed one vote of the swing of the three swing votes. Um, maybe there was a word potential thrown in there that I missed. But I remember the first time when I watched this episode, and I didn't really pay much attention this time either, and I was kind of like, wait, what? Because uh, it wasn't clear to me that they didn't need all three votes. And obviously, by the end of this meeting, they only have one. But I guess that's all that they needed. So evidently, that that's turned out to be a win for Toby and Josh and Mandy. There's one last thing that kind of really seals the deal for me in terms of, of liking Mr. Willis, and that's that Toby likes him. You know, Toby gets honest with him at the end, and uh, Toby respects him in the end. And Toby is such a cynical and, and sarcastic character most of the time that when you see Toby kind of just in awe of a person, um, that makes you like the person that much more, too. Right. I love Mr. Willis because of the way he affects Toby. And since he can, it also makes me like Toby even that much more. So uh, just one final note. And uh, and that is this is an appropriations bill. So is that 
again, <laughs> uh, someone talking about the West Wing who knows nothing about my own government, it, is an appropriations bill, I mean, I know that's a, a spending bill, but was this for a budget? If it's a budget thing and it's November, does it normally take that long to get a budget bill through? I mean, doesn't the president introduce that in a State of the Union address and uh, and get a budget through? Or is this supposed to be the next year's budget? Uh, if you know something about this kind of stuff, please feel free to email me, sorkincast at gmail.com or call 314-669-1840 and call me an idiot and explain it to me. I'd very much appreciate it. And with that, let's move on to clip four, where Leo tells Bartlett about Jenny. Mallory outs that she knows about Sam, and Josh's group run into trouble when Zoe gets cornered by three bar patrons. I needed to speak to you about something. Sure. Thank you. I should have told you earlier, but I moved out of the house. Jenny's asking me for a divorce. You're kidding me. Leo, you're kidding me. No. What happened? Married couples like you don't just get divorced nothing because nothing happened. happened. It's not like that. I don't understand how this happened, Leo. You and Jenny were happy. Jenny was not happy. Because you weren't spending enough time with her? Come on, it's not your prom date we're talking about here. We're talking about your family. Well, Mr. President, thank you for pointing that out. I tried to squeeze in as much time as I could between my wine tasting club and running your White House. You can't blame this on me. Hmm? I'm not blaming you for it, sir. Not blaming anyone for it. Just happened. These things happen. When did it happen? Two weeks ago. And you're just now telling me. Honestly, I know how you feel about Jenny. I thought you'd think that somehow you were responsible for it, and you'd turn that guilt into an inappropriate anger toward me, which, frankly, I can live without right now. I can't imagine what made me think all that. Fix this, Leo. It's not as simple as that. It is as simple as that. You're the man. Fix it. Mr. President. Fix it. So your friend couldn't come tonight? My friend, of course, you're talking about. Your special friend. Sam Fishin. My special friend. What special friend? His special friend that Zoe can't know about. The hooker. How does Mallory know about that? I told her. You told our boss's daughter that you slept with a call girl? I didn't know she was Leo's daughter at the time. I thought she was a school teacher who came in with her class. So you thought you were telling a complete stranger that you slept with a call girl? Accidentally. Slept with a call girl. Mallory. Does your father know? No. Zoe? Does your father know? Not yet. Oh, so this is going to be a thing. Zoe and I have decided that it's time we start collecting IOUs. What is a panic button? Oh, you don't want to know. I've seen it in action. The president is a very protective father. Hi. Hi. Um, what, what's your name? <clears throat> what? Uh, <laughs> I said, what's your name? You're kidding, right? Hey, you just asked no. me for your name. Is everything all right, Zoe? Hey, you just called her Zoe. Come on, let's go back to the table. Whoa, 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 whoa. Zoe. Whoa, excuse me, excuse me. Hey, we're trying to buy a girl a drink here, man. She's 19 years old, man. You'd have to take her to Maryland. Check out Superfly. <laughs> let's go. No? Why don't you go, all right? Look, guys, you don't know who this is. You don't want any trouble. Be cool, all right? Be cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I'm looking out for you. I know what you're saying. You just want me to... Be cool, all right? 
Let me buy you guys around. Like LL Cool J, man. Like Ice T. Ice Cube, Ice Tray, man. Josh? I know. Oh, good. More fairy boys. Excuse me? I said more fairy boys. Oh, this is too good uh, to be true. Yeah, I recognize this guy. Yeah, and she looks familiar, too. Yeah, uh, you guys don't realize it, but you're having a pretty bad night. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah who's gonna give it to us, huh? Federal agent! Federal agent! Go. Let's go! Right here, right here. Right here. Shut up! I swear to God, I'll blow your head off. Everybody stand back. No, I ain't done with you, Sammy. My name is Charlie Young, jackass. If that bulge in your pocket's an eight ball of blow, you're spending spring break in a federal prison. Now, the whole Bartlett-Leo thing is just a bunch of frustrations from both of these guys boiling over, in a way. I mean, specifically Bartlett, because he's already upset about the attempt to hurt Zoe at the beginning of the episode. And then he gets this news about Leo, and it's just kind of wham. He's in as much denial as, as Leo was until Mallory woke him up. And that phrase, you're the man, fix it. Um, there's something that puts that in the context of the age which both Leo and the president are and and the time that they grew up in, I guess. Um, I do think that it's really good that, you know, Sorkin is always progressive with these pontifications about issues, uh, but he doesn't let that bleed into his characters as much. You know, if... Leo and, and Bartlett grew up in, I, I'm i assuming, in the 50s at some point, or somewhere in there, like in the 50s, in the 40s, 50s. So um, there was a different set of, I guess, morals, or different set of character stuff at that time, you know, just in terms of personal character. So, um, and they, like all people, uh, you you're taught things by your parents, and you tend to carry them with you and unless you're taught otherwise and convinced otherwise sometimes it's really hard to be convinced that your parents were wrong about certain things and so um i mean while i hate that line in the context of of today's social context you're the man fix it um i do understand that people that age probably believe that uh to a certain extent man i just keep going off on these soapboxes i better stop um, now, everything about the bar scene kind of dates the show just in terms of the time it was made, right? I mean, from the those names that the, those boys give to Charlie, uh, to the Foo Fighters playing in the background, uh, to the clothes that everyone besides our main cast is wearing there. Uh, still, though, for those of us that are shipping Charlie and Zoe, as I am right now, it's it's great to see him stand up for her. And not only that, but, he, I mean, he's catching a lot of heck. And he's still trying to be diplomatic. Uh, which shows just how mature Charlie really is as compared to, obviously, other kids his age. So, I love that a whole lot. And I guess that's it for that clip. And we'll move on to the final clip. And in our final clip, Bartlett's frustrations boil over in a scolding of Zoe... And then he realizes what's happening and apologizes to Leo about Jenny and everyone else. And lastly, Toby watches Mr. Willis make his one and only roll call. I'm going to up your protection. No. Yes. Dad. Starting tomorrow. I'm starting college in a month. 
Well, you'll have plenty of friends to walk you to class. I'm entitled to a normal... Oh, please. Don't oh, please me. Look, the Secret Service... The Secret Service should worry about you getting shot. They are worried about me getting shot. I'm worried about me getting shot. But that is nothing compared to how terrified we are of you. You scare the hell out of the Secret Service, Zoe, and you scare the hell out of me, too. My getting killed would be bad enough. But that is not the nightmare scenario. The nightmare scenario, sweetheart, is you getting kidnapped. You go out to a bar or a party in some club and you get up to go to the restroom, somebody comes up from behind, puts their hand across your mouth and whisks you out the back door. You're so petrified, you don't even notice the bodies of the two Secret Service agents lying on the ground with bullet holes in their heads. Then you're whisked away in a car. It's a big party with lots of noise and lots of people coming and going. And it's a half hour before someone says, hey, where's Zoe? Another 15 minutes before the first phone call. It's another hour and a half before anyone even thinks to shut down all the airports. And now we're off to the races. You're tied to a chair in a cargo shack somewhere in the middle of Uganda. And I am told that I have 72 hours to get Israel to free 460 terrorist prisoners. So I'm on the phone pleading with Ben Yabin, and he's saying, I'm sorry, Mr. President, but Israel simply does not negotiate with terrorists, period. It's the only way we can survive. So now we got a new problem because this country no longer has a commander-in-chief. It has a father who's out of his mind because this little girl is in a shack somewhere in Uganda with a gun to her head. Do you get it? Good evening, Mr. President. Hi. Uh, before, when I was being an idiot, there was something I forgot to say. What? I'm sorry. Thank you. I would like unanimous consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. I don't know what the hell was the matter with me, Leo. If there's anything I can do to help. Anything. Thanks. Josh? Yes, sir. What were you doing taking my daughter out to a bar? You told me to, sir. I told you to take Charlie. When Zoe said she was going, I just assumed you were going to go have Malteds or something. Malteds, sir? Yes. What is this, Our Town? Well, anyway, thank you for doing whatever it was you did. Matter of fact, I didn't do anything, but for what it's worth, I should tell you that Charlie didn't blink before he put his body between Danger and Zoe. I understand you all had a very interesting evening. Yes. So did I. What happened? I met an unusual man. DJ, deal the card. Didn't walk into the room with a political agenda. He didn't walk in with his mind made up. He genuinely wanted to do what he thought was best. Didn't mind saying the words, I don't know. I said, I don't know to Sam just this morning, and I'd like to say I'm a better person for it. By the way, I now know everything there is to know about the census. Go ahead, you can ask me anything. How many people live in the United States? There is some material we haven't covered yet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, tell me, sit down. Just want to watch this. We won it 40 votes ago. Just want to hear this one. Now, first off, as someone who has seen the whole series, if you are one of those people, you know just how big this speech that Bartlett gives is, right? I mean, if you're watching it for the first time, it's still incredibly effective, but it's really more effective when you're rewatching. Um, can you imagine how hard it would be for, say, President Bush or our current President Obama if one of their daughters was kidnapped 
uh, how hard it would be for them to not give in to demands by kidnappers. I mean, that's got to be almost any president who has children. It's got to be their nightmare scenario and the nightmare scenario for a Secret Service detail. Uh, Just imagine, though, if you are the one person in the world who can probably most successfully satisfy the demands of a terrorist, and yet you know you can't allow yourself to do anything. I mean, that would be absolutely maddening. So, you know, I can see when these threats come up against Zoe, why Bartlett really boils over about this. And again, I I do my best to kind of cut things for time's sake, but uh, I left, and so therefore I left out the part where Zoe starts to break down. Uh, But it's good to see that once she does, Bartlett realizes that he's maybe gone a step too far and it's just scared her to death, and he needs to rein it back in. Um, he did absolutely terrify her, uh, and I'm sure in the process terrified himself. But anyway, I'm glad that he realizes that he needs to rein it back in with Leo as well, because that's really, you know, all of these feelings about Zoe is probably what made him lash out at Leo in the first place. Uh, and it's good that him and Leo are, are close enough friends that he can rein that back in, and it's not just about a a president and his chief of staff. And I guess finally the whole touchy feely stuff at the end isn't most people's cup of tea. Um, but I, there's some good music scoring in there along with the fact that you see how much Toby has really been affected by Mr. Willis when he sits there and watches him vote. That just really seals the deal to make you not only like the representative, but I think Uh, at least it did for me, it really made me like Toby that much more. And it's hard for me not to like Toby more, you know. Uh, I mean, there's not much of a ceiling there. Toby is one of my favorite characters. So, well done, episode. Well done. And with that, I'll be back with my rating in just a second. Again, I grade on a special 10 scale which you can find at sorkincast.wordpress.com. You can find it in the, I think it's a tab called ratings or something like that. Anyway, 8.2 is my rating. I really, really like this episode for a lot of reasons. And I mentioned it briefly earlier, but for one, I have a huge crush on Allison Smith. So anytime Mallory is going to be in an app, then I'm going to take more notice and I'm probably going to like the episode better than I should. Secondly, I just love, love, love this side of Toby. And lastly, of course, that Bartlett speech is absolutely epic. And that's it for this week. So, reminder that next week we'll be watching Season 1, Episode 7, The State Dinner. And if you have any feedback regarding that episode or any of our prior episodes, anything through Season 1, Episode 11. So you've still got about five weeks to submit any feedback on those first 11 episodes if you've watched the series. Uh, I would love to hear from you. How do you do that, you ask? Sorkincast at gmail.com, or you can call the Rewatching Good TV listener line, 314-669-1840. Again, be sure to say which podcast you're leaving the feedback for, because I use one single line for multiple podcasts. Or you can tweet at Sorkincast on Twitter. You don't have to remember me saying all that. Just remember sorkincast.wordpress.com where you can find all of that information. See you next week for Season 1, Episode 7, The State Dinner. This is Matt. Take care. <laughs>